This week I noticed on um, on Facebook um, something good actually. I noticed lots of things on Facebook as uh, as you do. Sometimes I wonder if some of these folks remember that their pastor is their friend on Facebook. You know, wow, that's interesting. You know, but uh, uh, I, I did notice something really good. Um, I, I think maybe it was. Uh, it was one of our kids, and maybe it was Lee, I'm not sure, but I, I remember the post was them saying, Mama, I wonder what I'm going to learn today, going to school. You know, school just got started back. And I thought, yeah, that is so interesting. Um, I have three kids, and, uh, you know, they do well in school. But when I asked them, uh, what would you learn today? Nothing. Nothing. You know, and uh, somewhere along the line, we go from, what am I going to learn at school today, to nothing. I don't ever learn anything at school, you know. And um, I wonder how we carry over that thought process when it comes to church. Do we, do we keep that attitude of, what am I going to learn today? How am I going to grow closer to Jesus? Or, I'm just here. It's just another day. Well, I hope that we can keep uh, that attitude of expectancy, of saying, what is God going to do? I want to invite you to take your Bible and turn to the book of Acts, chapter 4, verse 32, and we're going to be reading verse 32 to 37 today. And um, we're at this place where um, it's interesting, Luke, who is the author uh, of this book, and if you were here when we started this series, you'd remember that we said Luke and Acts are really a two-part series. Luke wrote both of them, and so even though we think about Paul writing more than anybody else because he wrote more individual letters or books or whatever, really Luke had this huge chunk of Scripture that he wrote uh, in this two-volume set. And uh, he wrote the Gospel of Luke, and then he wrote uh, Acts. And so he... He has this way of telling us, um, he's kind of a modern storyteller, you know, he kind of shifts in and out. He, he doesn't just all along, you know, just keep telling a straight story, but he'll, he'll tell us different things that happened in the church, and then he'll step back and take a broader view and say, hey, here's what's happening in the church at large, under the, the whole Christian movement, here's what's going on. And so... He just finished telling us this amazing story about this crippled man being healed and Peter and John uh, witnessing to people and all sorts of people coming to Jesus. And then they get called in before the council leaders and they're questioned and they're warned and, and they just stand strong. They say, we can't stop doing what God has called us to do. We can't listen. We have to listen to God rather than man. And so... Um, they come back together, they have this great big prayer meeting, and man, things are really going awesome at this point in the early church. Now, there's, Acts is very real. You're going to see times when everybody's happy with them, and you're going to see times when they're being persecuted. And you're going to see times where Christians are doing right, and you're going to see times where Christians are really doing wrong. So it's, it's not a fake, made-up thing, it's, it's reality of what happened. Uh, but this passage is just kind of tells us what's going on. So I want to ask if you would please stand with me in honor and reverence for reading the Word of God. Follow along in your Bible or on the screen. Acts um, chapter 4, verse 32. All the believers were of one heart and mind. 
And they felt that what they owned was not their own. They shared everything they had. And the apostles gave powerful witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's great favor was upon them all. There was no poverty among them because people who owned land or houses sold them and brought the money to the apostles to give others in need. For instance, there was Joseph, one who the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi and came from the island of Cyprus. He sold a field he owned and brought the money to the apostles for those in need. Father, now we ask that you would bless the reading and proclamation of your word. Take this story of early believers and use it to guide us in our lives as we serve you just as they did. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Be seated. Several years ago, there was a book written called Everything I Ever Really Needed to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. And some of you can remember that when that book came out, and it, it reminded us that some of the basics in life we learn very early, and we just try to build on those things. But the early church, you could say that everything they needed to know, they learned in kindergarten, because they're kind of in the preschool kindergarten stages of the church. I mean, they're in the very beginning in the book of Acts. This is all brand new, and yet they already... They know so many of the things that they need to know because they've been around Jesus and the, and the, the apostles and, and the Holy Spirit's working among them powerfully. And so one of those things that we were all supposed to have learned in kindergarten was sharing, right? We were all supposed to learn how to share. If we hadn't learned that at home, maybe the only children had a little more difficult time learning that lesson. But we get together and we, you know, we, we have to learn to share. Kingdom living, in the, in the, um, the way that, that the gospel come together in the lives of the early believers, it's really all about sharing. And so in this passage, I want us to think about what God has to say. Why, what kind of things should be shared? Why is this so important? In the gospel here, um, we see this, uh, this sharing as first as a sharing of the gospel. The most important thing that can possibly be shared, the most important thing that can possibly be given to another is the message of Jesus Christ. And so it tells us that the apostles and the other leaders, that they were, they were preaching, they were teaching, they were telling everybody all about the risen Christ. There's nothing more important that we can do for anyone than to tell them about the gospel to tell them that Jesus loves them, that Jesus cares, that there's hope for their life. We need to share things spiritually. And these believers, they were sharing all kinds of things, and they, they shared, first of all, the gospel, that simple message that Jesus loves you. He died on the cross for you, for your sins. And those believers caught on to that message, and it touched them. And it touched the world around them. The Bible says that they were enjoying uh, the favor of all the people around them. Now, not the leaders who got mad at them because they were kind of taken away from them and their power and, and their position. But the regular people, they saw the love of Jesus. And as they shared 
and taught them about what God was doing. This amazing thing was going on, and they were touched. They also, they shared their physical possessions with one another. This is interesting. When we read this verse, uh, these verses, it, it almost kind of makes us a little uncomfortable. Let's, let's read them again. It says, All the believers were of one heart and mind, and they felt that everything they owned was not their own. They shared everything they had. And the apostles gave powerful witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's favor was among them all. And listen to this. There was no poverty among them, because people who owned land or houses sold them and brought in the money to the apostles to give to others in need. As we read this, it's kind of hard for us to put it in our minds and really get it, because uh, we, we think of, some of us think of like a, communistic or a socialistic thing where everybody's kind of kept down and poor and nobody can have more than anybody else and so um, you know we we react badly against that we're in a democratic society and, and we say I don't know about that we, we have that thought in mind and then some of us may think about um, cult leaders or cult groups and churches and and if you've ever had experience or known anybody who had an experience with folks that went to a group and there was this leader who demanded complete control over people and said, oh, by the way, just turn over all your finances to me and, and I'll take care of that and I'll tell you what you ought to live off of. And, and so we have kind of those negative ideas in our minds and, and if we don't look carefully, we can miss what the message is about here. We can think about one of those things, but that's not what it is at all. God is saying in the early church, there were people who freely, of their own will, not because someone else dug in their pocket or someone else told them what to do, but out of generosity in their heart, because they didn't want to see anybody go in need, that folks were giving, and they were saying, you know, I... I got this uh, five acres over here, this extra little property. I'm not doing anything with it. How could I let that sit there when I know these folks are in need? It isn't all of a sudden that they abandoned all ideas of private property or that they, that they gave up their stuff, but they had a mentality, the Bible says, that my stuff isn't really my stuff. It's really God's stuff. And so I need to think about it that I should use it the way God wants me to use it. And so they had this attitude that everything's God's stuff, and that brought actions, that is them giving this money, and it was distributed to those in need. And then an amazing result came about. The Bible says that there was no poverty, that there was no one uh, that was doing without, nobody was starving. And in this day and age, in that time, there was no safety net. There was no welfare. There was none of these things. That was an amazing thing that they could say, none of these people, because Christians would have varied from rich, rich, rich to poor, 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 and all in between. And yet, none of them were doing without because of this radical generosity that they had within them. It's amazing to us to think about that, and, and it's hard for us to picture that. And the Bible never says, okay, here's what you got to do. 
on that issue. But it does tell us that we're to be generous, that we're to be kind, that we're to look out for others around us. And so sharing was at the very heart of kingdom life, Jesus' kingdom, God's kingdom that had been established. They were sharing the gospel, that message of truth. They were sharing possessions with one another. And then third, they were sharing uh, encouraging words with one another. They were lifting one another up. I love this. Uh, in the Bible, there's lots of people that have more than one name. And, and, and we know about that. We have nicknames here in life. And you, you might have got a nickname in school that you don't like, but you just couldn't shake. Or maybe you have a nickname that, that you're okay with. But lots of us have nicknames. Uh, we're known, some of us, we have a first name, but we go by our middle name. Or, you know, um, I, <laughs> I have a, uh, a nephew. He is actually my oldest nephew. And his name is William Lloyd Sconyers III. Yes, they did that to him. William Lloyd Sconyers III, okay? And, uh, but he goes by Kai, C-H-I, Kai. And so I remember when my kids got old enough to, to, and I said, yeah, you know Kai's real name is William Lloyd Sconyers III. And they're like, oh, no, you're making that up. And I said, no, it, it really is true. That's his name. And, uh, and they said, well, how'd you get Kai out of that? I said, I have no idea. I think they were in a Greek organization in college, and they liked Kai, you know, so they just call him Kai. So we understand that people get different names that they go by. And so here's Barnabas, and he's, we know him by Barnabas, but his regular name, the name that would be on his social security card today, would be Joseph. But they call him Barnabas which means son of encouragement. Now, that's pretty awesome. I don't know about you, but no one's ever come up to me and said, Tim, you old son of encouragement. You know, that's just, they've never quite said that exactly, right? Okay? I don't, have any of y'all ever been called a son of encouragement? No, I don't see any hands. We've, we've called other things, but never son of encouragement, right? Now, what kind of happy, encouraging, uplifting person would you be? that they would have to think of the nickname for you would be Son of Encouragement. I mean, the apostles named him this. And I think about the apostles, and, and you know, we like to think of them sometimes as almost supermen. I mean, just above normal, average, ordinary human beings. But they were people, just like you and me, that God had simply selected to do a job. And I imagine they got tired. And I imagine they got frustrated. And I imagine there were times when they said, why am I doing this? Somebody please remind me. I mean, you know, life was a lot easier before I started selling all my stuff. And, you know, on the fishing boat I went out, I had good days and I had bad days. But, I mean, it was pretty easy. And this is tough. And then along comes this guy named Barnabas. And he, he looked a little different, the rest of them. See, all the early apostles... They were what you might say they're Hebrew. I mean, what I mean by that is, I mean, they actually produced, grew up in the land of Israel, uh, in, in the region of Galilee, actually, and um, most of them. But Barnabas was the first major guy in church history that he's a Jew, but he actually comes from outside 
The Bible tells us that he's from the island of Cyprus. And we're going to hear about Cyprus later on in Acts because there's going to be a big missionary journey that Paul goes on. And one of his stops is going to be the island of Cyprus. And so his heritage was Jewish, but he grew up around non-Jews. He grew up around in a very different world and, and very different thought process. He wasn't there in the Holy Land, so to speak. And yet he came in as a believer in this group. And he so touched and encouraged the lives of people around him that they said, wow, Joseph isn't a good enough name for this guy. I mean, that's a pretty ordinary name, and we've got other Josephs in the, in the church. We need to come up with a new name, son of encouragement, Barnabas, because every time I'm around that guy, he makes me feel better. You and I need to be sharers. We just shared. We've already shared the Lord's Supper together. We've shared in the singing of songs and the saying of prayers and giving to the Lord. We've shared in, right now in studying God's Word. And so sharing, though, is not just something we do here in this church hour, but it's to be the pattern of our life. We share the message of the gospel that lives can be changed through Jesus Christ. That's the spiritual aspects of people's lives that we touch. We share of our possessions. That's the material aspects, the physical needs that people need. And all around us, there's needs. You and I need to share and to touch. I, I tell you something that's very interesting to me. Every once in a while, um, a lot of us as individuals, okay, let me back up. A lot of us as individuals help others in need. And then sometimes um, groups of people, some, a few people who kind of know somebody, or maybe a Sunday school class will help somebody in need. And then sometimes um, folks will have a, a, ask, can the church do something? And there's a benevolence. Either we take some money out of budget or we raise some money for something. And, you know, a lot of times when people think about the church helping, they only think about that last one. That's really funny. I've, I've heard people say, well, the church never helped. And I'm like, wait a minute. No, I, I know this person helped, and I know this Sunday school class. All that is the church helping. But we are called to help, to share in our physical possessions. And then we are called to share encouragement. That is in the emotional and mental stresses that we face each and every day, we all get down, we all get tired, we all get weary, and we need folks to come alongside us like Barnabas and share encouragement with us. So I want to urge you today to pattern your life after the early church, to say, am I sharing? Physically, spiritually, emotionally, am I lifting people up with my life by sharing the gospel, needs that are, are being met, and encouraging other people? God says his favor, his grace was among, um, upon those people when they did those things, and it will be upon us when we do the same. Pray with me today. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you, God, are the greatest sharer 
you are the greatest giver of all. You give us the very air we breathe, the gift of life. You provide for us. Most of all, you so love the world that you gave your only begotten Son. And Father, we pray that each of us would believe so that we might have eternal life, that we might not perish. And Father, help us to share that message that people might not perish spiritually. Help us to share of our belongings that they might not perish physically. Help us to share those words of encouragement that they would not perish emotionally and mentally. Help us to be sharers. Now, Father, we pray that in this time, as we sing a song, God, that we'd open our hearts to whatever you've called us to do today. To confess our sins, to ask for others, pray for them, to make decisions and commitments, whatever it is, let us follow your Spirit's leading today. In Jesus' name we pray.